This podcast was recorded on the ancestral lands on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. This is Humans on Rights, a podcast advocating for the education of human rights. Here's your host, Stuart Murray. September 8th is International Literacy Day. And that means a lot of things to a lot of people. In particular, I think the issue of lifelong learning is something that my guest is very, very passionate about. And I think if you're going to talk about reading, you're going to talk about literacy, some of the great things that are happening, some of the challenges. Uh, I can't think of anybody better to have on than the president of the Manitoba Reading Association, Stacy Bradley. Stacy, welcome to Humans on Rights. Hi, thank you for inviting me. So, Stacy, you have had an amazing career and lifelong learning as part of what you do. Let's take it right back to the beginning. You are a Manitoban? Yes, I am. And where did you do your early schooling? Rural Manitoba. I grew up in Newdale, Manitoba. I went to school in the nearby community of Strathclair. So, and then I moved to Brandon later on. Um, but I definitely have rural roots. Okay, very good. Love that. I'm a rural guy from Saskatchewan. So, Stacy, when you were younger, I mean, what sort of things do you think about when you were in school? You know, uh, was there a favorite teacher that you had? And and if if there was, why was that teacher a favorite of yours? What did they do to motivate you? Oh, wow. Okay, well, I do have an early memory, actually, of a teacher in the school that I think it was grade one. She she made, Mrs. Stimson, she made these little plates, and on them were all the books that we read in grade one, and I think mine was Reader. And that's funny that early on, that identity was formed very quickly, and I, I loved reading all the way through school. And did you find that you realized that they had a great influence on sort of getting you involved in becoming more as a lifelong learner on education and then ultimately getting into the education system? Or did you at some point pivot and say, you know what, I think I want to be a doctor. I might want to be uh, something in a different profession, but you kind of were drawn back in it. What got you sort of on that that pathway? You know, I don't really know. I just, I, I think as I went through school, I I enjoyed school and I liked reading and and then I went to university and and one thing led to another and and uh, I started teaching and wound up teaching uh, English language arts and I just always loved literacy and um, I found it easy to to promote that. So when you when you were in, younger in school, was there I mean a p- favorite subject that you had that you really sort of enjoyed or were you just generally a good student all around? <laughs> I'm not sure I was a, a great student all around, but um, I I enjoyed learning, I think, and um, always attached myself to the library. And of course, I had some great favorite teachers all the way through. And I just always found schools to be a, a good place to be. And I I mean, I liked gym and I liked playing sports and I, I did all of those things. So no, education probably when I was first in school wasn't my favorite thing. I, I probably was more interested in just doing all the things that kids like to do. Right. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I, you know, part of it is always 
when I have people like you who are experts or advocates in a certain area, again, acknowledging that September 8th is International Literacy Day, it's always interesting to sort of find, you know, how it is. I mean, now you're the president of the Manitoba Reading Association with, you know, your whole education background. So to find yourself in that sort of leadership position, it's always interesting to find what is it that, I mean, some people just fall into it. Some people, you know, are in meetings and somebody puts up their hand to nominate you for something and you find yourself in a position. But you, you've taken on the role, Stacy, as the president of the Manitoba Reading Association. Let's talk a little bit about what does that organization mean to you personally? And then what does the organization do for those people that would be listening that say, hey, tell me more about what this I'm interested in finding out what this organization or association does? Well. I first became involved with Manitoba Reading through my local council. So Manitoba Reading is made up of a group or, or supports local councils. So I started with Brandon Reading Council and I was their rep and I went to the Manitoba Reading Association meetings. And um, at the time, uh, the current president, Susan Hay Hayward, had said to me, just come to one meeting. So the just come to one meeting sort of always seems to work, doesn't it? Yeah, just see what it's all about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I stepped in there and then one role led to another. And one of the big things that the Manitoba Reading Association does is they put on every two years a Adolescent Literacy Summit. And it's a two-day PD event. And they always bring in fantastic speakers. And um, that was, at the time, kind of the one big PD event that I got to go to as a, as an English teacher. Right. And so PD meaning professional development. Sorry. Yes. Sorry, no, no, all good. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Okay. So professional development day, go ahead. Yeah. So I, I got that opportunity to go and that first, I went to the first one they, they hosted and uh, it was so great. And at the end they were looking for volunteers and and so I slowly got involved with helping to put that on in smaller roles that got larger as time went on. So I've been lucky enough to go to every one of the summits that have been put on since I was early on in my career, really. And um, they were really formative in some of the ideas and things that I tried in my own classroom later. Mm -hmm. So let me just ask you. So you talked about it as an adult literacy summit. Adolescent. Adolescent. Okay. So what does that encompass when you talk about adolescents? Who, who, what, what age groups or what, what are we talking about there? So that grade seven to 12 area and um, those emerging readers, you know, sometimes we start to lose them when they get into middle school and um, bringing those teachers together to keep promoting literacy and supporting uh, engagement and literacy skills. Okay. So let me just, let me just ask you, Stacy. when you say sometimes we lose them, what, why is that? Well, I think there's, there's social media influences. There's more things that are going on in their lives. They're going through puberty. They're starting to have relationships that become more important. Their friends become more important. They're going out and about more. There's maybe less time. And other things take priority. And we seem to see that sometimes reading takes a dive. So just on that, because I, you know, one of the things that occurred to me when I was doing a bit of research on this topic, Stacey, was 
you know, as a young person, and I, I have grandkids now, and I, I, I love watching just how advanced they are. I mean, you know, in my time, it was C, Dick, C, Jane, C, Dick, and Jane, and, you know, it was a picture book, et cetera. But now, you know, there's so much more advanced. And I guess the, the question I would like to ask, and maybe we could spend a bit of time discussing this, because it seems at the very beginning, when you learn to read, you're, you're excited, you're learning to read. And then what happens is at some juncture, and I think this is what you're referring to, and I'd like to get more thoughts from you about this, is that the love of learning gets changed from the fact is I have to read because school requires me to read this topic or this subject matter. And so it's not the love of learning. Now it's a whole different thing. And you just you know raised a number of reasons why that is. What sorts of things are being done to try to re-engage readers at that stage? I think offering choice, giving kids an opportunity to choose what they have to read, having really great, authentic texts is helpful, connecting to the real world and what's going on, making sure that the texts that we do share with kids portray characters that are their age and look like them and have things that interest them. I think that's all really important. And yeah, and maybe sometimes we analyze things to death and and kids then see reading as a whole lot of work and not really all that enjoyable. One of the things that I learned when I was looking at International Literacy Day, Stacey, was that the theme was transforming literary uh, or literacy, I should say, learning spaces. And I think, you know, what you're referring to is how do you make that a better place for as if, if students are starting to lose interest in reading, how do you transform those working or learning spaces? And one of the things I would ask in terms of your background, how difficult is it, I guess, to change the curriculum that has been established for years and years and years? And then you start to realize that, you know, there's things like social media, all the things you mentioned earlier to sort of change the curriculum to be more adaptable and more flexible and, and ultimately provide that, that better learning space? Well, I think one thing is, is that we do have curriculum, but nothing in that curriculum right now states that we have to teach certain types of text or not so much types of text, but specific texts. Teachers still have that choice of, of the kinds of texts that they use with their students. So we have curriculum, but it certainly does not mandate using the same novels over and over again. We do have choice. And so I think that's where when we look at our budgets and we buy new books, we have to think about whose voices are being heard. Where is it set? What gender is, are the main characters? Who's the author? Where do they live? Those are the kinds of things that we have to analyze when we're when we're putting our money into into new books. And there are, I mean, there are opportunities where we get to buy new things. So it's really important that we think about that when we buy our books. For sure. And again, one of the things that is is very evident now when you look at uh, what's happening in the curriculum, Stacy, is you know there's a a much more diverse group of people that are learning, much more diverse group of people that are attending schools. You know, the fact you come from a rural background, you know, there's urban settings, there's different ways that people are being exposed to different elements. 
Has that been something that has caused any issues with respect to setting curriculum, that, that whole issue around diversity? Well, I think it's a topic uh, that deserves discussion. And it's a topic that's going to create tension. And tension isn't always bad because tension makes us question. And if we're questioning, what is the purpose of this text that I've chosen? And we think about that. I think that's, that's good. I think we always have to be questioning, why, why have I chosen this? What is my purpose? What do I expect to get from this? How, how do I expect kids to react to it? What do I expect them to learn? Uh, how do I see this helping them grow? And so, Stacy, would you say that do students have much opportunity to sort of give input as to what they would like to see in the curriculum? I mean, understanding that, you know, they may give, you know, 10 different ideas and maybe 10 of them aren't all great. One or two might be. But is there a chance for them to share what they would like to see in the curriculum? I think that depends totally on the school and the teacher and and uh, a number of factors. But I think that any time any of us as human beings are provided opportunity to have choice and to learn in a way that answers our own questions, you're going to get greater engagement. So we can't please everyone and we can't give a million choices. But I think that when we have the opportunity to do that, we need to try. For sure. Stacy. one of the areas you talk about is that ability to, you know, do the best you can and let people, let them get engaged. If you sort of step back for a bit, there's sort of thoughts about as students have the opportunity to learn, is there a sense that, you know, graphic novels, which are coming more and more sort of evident today, or a comic books to some extent, and I was a great reader of comic books when I was younger, but is that okay with, in your mind for children to learn? I think they are fantastic. And I think that um, any opportunity to incorporate those kinds of, of books into what we're doing is great. They're visual. They're engaging. I can't think of a better way to teach reading strategies, really. They're wonderful. And I think we need to promote them more. And make sure that when we're talking about graphic novels, we share that they're novels. They're not comic books. And there's a difference between a comic book and a graphic novel. So describe that. What's the difference? Well, a graphic novel is a novel. So it would be a story from beginning to end that um, has all of the character development and depth of setting and conflict that a normal novel would have. Comics can be sequential and, and kind of more in series. And often, if we think about how they're printed, the history of comic books, you know, if you think about Archie and Veronica and, and some of those, those are very different than some of the newer published graphic novels. They're beautiful. And the pages and the color, there's something that um, kids will pick up and read. And for some kids, truly, you can go through them quicker. There is less text, but they're, they're quality pieces and, um, and we need to promote them more as, as educators. So on that notion, Stacy, there's again, some conversation I'm sure at, at, at your level and in education about 
moving from, you know, again, I'm going back to when students are, or children are younger and, you know, you have the alphabet. So A is for apple, you know, B is for boy. And, you know, it's sort of one page, one letter, one big graphic picture. And then there's the notion that you move to simply just chapters and there's very little images. Is there a time that that should happen? Or is there any studies that say that, because I think the graphic novel, as you re- reference it, kind of is a nice segue to kind of put those two pieces together. Because, you know, sometimes moving from things with big pictures and only a letter or something that's that gives you a sense to understand to simply, you know, a novel, which is page after page after page, that is a big leap for many people. Yeah. And I think that, you know, graphic novels can also have chapters, same as what a early chapter book for children could would have. But I think that we're living in a a very visual world now. And all of the kinds of things that we need to do when we're reading a graphic novel to make sense of information are the same things that we have to do when we view a web page or a poster. We're, We're inundated with visuals. Maybe we weren't 20 years ago. And so it is important for readers, early readers, right up to adults, to really learn how to to view images. And I think that it is a natural segue because when you get into picture books or illustrated books, it's just another move up a continuum of skills. Yeah, no, interesting. And and then the other thing I was just going to sort of get your thoughts on were, you know, when you talk about e-books, e-readers, computers, you know, people spending a lot of time on screens. I know there's a lot of concern from parents about how much screen time do children have. Is there, again, sort of a, a middle ground to sort of say, look, if you're reading something on a, on a computer screen versus, say, watching TikTok or doing something, you know, that people are, are also welcome to do in their own spare time. But is there something there that is also looked upon now in 2022 that, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's not perceived as just screen time if you're using it as a way to sort of, you know, read or advance or read issues or articles? Well, <laughs> I want to just want to share this term uh, by literate readers. So as we are getting more and more tech savvy and children are, are using devices and electronic materials more, we need to be able to move from electronic to print. And I, I really truly believe that there will never be a time when people are not going to desire a good print book. We like paper and libraries hopefully will exist forever. But there, there is a time and a place, and we just need to find the purpose of when we need to use those skills electronically. I mean, sometimes I really like to read on a, a digital device. I, I like to read on my iPad or my Kindle. And other times I like to flip over and have it be print. Or there's a time for an audio book. You know, it's nice sometimes being able to just touch on the, the word and look it up in the dictionary or highlight my notes and have it just saved for me. Mm-hmm. So knowing what my purpose is and then being able to use the skills for that purpose is really important. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was obviously a comedian done in jest, but it was, it, it basically in caps, it said support literacy. A child who cannot read, cannot text. 
So, you know, trying to make sure you get that done. So, Stacy, let's talk a little bit about the role of the Manitoba Reading Association. Let's uh, dive into that organization. Are people that are involved in that, are they all educators, all teachers, or who makes up the membership of that association, the Manitoba Reading Association? Many of our members are teachers, but we you certainly do not need to be a teacher. I just had an email from our Manitoba nurses. I mean, anyone who's promoting uh, literacy is welcome to join us. To be a member of Manitoba Reading Association, you simply just need to be a member of either a local council or our Manitoba Reading if you are not served by a local council. And if you are a member of uh, the International Literacy Association, then you're automatically a member of Manitoba Association. Okay. And so if somebody wanted to, was listening to this and say, oh, I'd like to find out more about that Manitoba Reading Association, the council, how would they do that? So you would reach out to, if you are in an area that has a local council. So um, there's a reading council of greater Winnipeg. There is uh, Brandon Reading Council. Uh, there is the Manitoba Council of Reading Clinicians. For that one, you have to actually be a certified reading clinician. And then there's a the Pamina Escarpment Reading Council. And they all have websites. Okay, I was going to say, so you it's on your the, sort of your Manitoba Reading Association website, which I'll make Absolutely. sure that I, I put into the notes here. Um, you mentioned something about a some sort of clinician. What What term did you use there? The reading clinicians. So there is a group of Council of Manitoba Reading Clinicians. So they are certified reading clinicians. And oh, so tell me, like, what what does that involve? What what does a reading clinician do? So they would work with students or people who would like some support with literacy concerns. They're mostly private. They do private um, consulting. Some work in school divisions, but you can find more information on that on their website. Okay. Yeah. Just, it's a term that I, I hadn't heard. So when you brought it up, I thought I'd, I'd th- so ask you about it. The Manitoba Reading Association is obviously, as you say, it's a, it has an international affiliate and you're very much active, uh, Stacy, in the communities trying to recognize people that do great work around literacy. Um, I think you have, if I'm not mistaken, I saw on your website, Crocus Awards that you use to, uh, to do that. Did you want to talk a little bit about, about that, what they do in particular? Uh, I know there was one that caught my attention, the Joel Simkin, who I don't know, but I saw him on there, what, what he does. That sounds pretty, um, pretty amazing what he's involved in. So the Crocus Awards are put on in partnership with the Reading Council of Greater Winnipeg. And the Reading Council of Greater Winnipeg has, um, they do some really amazing things. And so we host that night, basically at the end of the, near the end of the school year every year. And we celebrate people who do really amazing things in literacy. And um, this last year, one of the award winners was Joel. And the interesting thing about that award is that He's not a teacher, but he's a person who advocates for literacy and promotes literacy in his work. We want to support that and we want to celebrate it. And so just because I I did a bit of research on it, as I said, I don't know Joel at all, Stacey, but I understand that he's the literacy coordinator for the John Howard Society and Literacy Program, which does work with individuals who are incarcerated, which again, sounds like such an important program that a lot of people might not even know exists. Absolutely. When he spoke that night, it was 
really interesting to hear about the things that that he was doing. Literacy is important. It's important all throughout our lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the one question I would just ask, you, you know, do you know anybody, Stacy, or have you ever met anybody in your your time that was not able to read? Absolutely. Yeah, and do you want to share that experience? Like, how did you come across that, and how did you how did you support that person? Well, and and the unfortunate thing is is for some kids, learning to read is really hard, and um, sometimes there are or difficulties that make that process very difficult. For other kids, it's a natural process. I can't imagine being that student because you're surrounded with people who find the skill to be something that just comes naturally. And they're really not a part of that. You know, they feel left out. And what's easy for some is really difficult for them. And it's heartbreaking, actually. It's something that affects their lives. You know, not being able to access information, easily send a message, write a note, read an assignment or a poster. These are things that create major problems and make life more difficult. Stacey, how do you discover without embarrassing someone that they are unable to read. And can I just ask, I always like to try to sort of get educated. Is it, you know, a term, if somebody were to say, are you illiterate? Is that a term that is still used today? Well, one of our our main messages in our Manitoba reading is that we want every Manitoban to be a literate Manitoban. And yes, what does it mean to be a reader? What's the level that you have to be at? And I, I would say that Sometimes we'll say, you know, that person is illiterate or that person can't read. But I, for the most part, people have, and kids have some of those skills. They may not be able to read at the level that their peers are or the level that they maybe want to be at. But usually there is some capacity and that's the frustration, right? You you want to be able to to make things easier. And it's a challenge. Yeah. It can be for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And is that, are you finding now that you, in your professional career, Stacy, are you finding that that is still an issue in terms of the challenge of getting young people to start to read or to learn, you know, because they have different ways of learning? Are you finding that that is still an issue or is it being looked at and there's a lot more improvements that are happening maybe through technology maybe through other things that you're seeing well i'm certainly not an expert when it comes to early emergent reading and literacy difficulties with with reading my experience has mostly been with the middle and senior years readers so i have not been uh, lucky enough i guess to work with those young young readers and so my experience is more once they get to us in a high school capacity, how do we support them to continue to grow their skills from where they're at? Right. Yeah. No, fair enough. I mean, it's it's a very complex subject, but you know, the the part that that sort of is interesting to me, you know, Stacy, when I was uh, the inaugural president and CEO of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, we learned that, you know, this is 1994 in South Africa when Nelson Mandela 
became the first democratically elected president of South Africa. That was like after three and a half centuries, I think, of colonialism and apartheid that they had this democratic election. So people actually ran for their positions. And of course, as you and I and others know that when you go into the ballot box, you would see, you know, Stacey Bradley, if you want that person, you put an X beside it. If you see Stuart Murray, you know, you can put an X beside that. The challenge in 1994 in South Africa was a lot of people did not read. And so they ended up being very creative and they put the pictures of the people. So you voted because I could see, oh, I know that that's Stacy. I can see. So I'll put my, my ex beside Stacy's name and or by her picture. I'm sorry. So, you know, you look at sort of globally some of these challenges and they're they're also in our own backyard here in Manitoba from time to time. And so, you know, I just want to ask from your perspective as president of the Manitoba Reading Association, Stacy, if somebody's listening to this and saying, how can I get more involved? Or are there resources that you might recommend that uh, perhaps somebody should go to someplace where they can read or someplace they can listen? Or is there something from a resource center that you might know? And once you, anything you recommend, again, I'll just make sure for the listeners that I'll put it into the show notes so that they can go and they can go to those websites. There are a couple of really good resources on the website. They are parent resources for young children and for adolescents. And it's just, there's, there's a couple of guides there. And really, they're just some really good ideas of how to support young children and adolescents in reading and in finding ways to incorporate literacy into our daily lives. Okay. And that would be, Stacey, just so I know, would be on your Manitoba Reading Association website. Yeah, under the resources tab. Because I, I did go on. It's a great website, by the way. It's very lots of great information on there. And I think it's it's fantastic. If you were to, you know, look and say for this, this the next summit that you're having, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Have you got sort of a sense of who might be coming to speak at it? And there's things you want to talk about that you're preparing for that? So on April 21st, Crystal Vanny is coming to Winnipeg and we're having a one-day event. This will be our first back in-person event that we've planned since the pandemic. Um, We usually try to do something every two years, maybe something small in between, but we've kind of had a break within in-person. We've done a lot of online. We've had some series of events, but this spring, we're going to try and get back into live. We will be streaming. So we will have a virtual option as well. So we're really excited about that. And um, we're really excited to offer some in-person professional learning for our members again. Yeah. And uh, do you have a sense of what the, the theme or what's going to be discussed at that point, Stacey? So Chris is going to talk about engagement. And she is really well known for working with reluctant learners. And um, she talks a lot about strategies that teachers can use to engage learners, specifically learners who struggle with text. Right. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Sounds great. And do you have to be a member of the Manitoba Reading Association to participate? Nope. You just sign up and the registrations will be opening here shortly. So you go to the website and there's a link there and you can sign up. We're also currently underway working on 2025. So, wow. so that's another exciting. That, yeah. Super exciting. 
So Stacy Bradley, president of the Manitoba Reading Association, as we sort of wind down this conversation, you know, this is podcast is called Humans on Rights. And, and I'm always delighted to have somebody who is an advocate or, or an educator on a particular issue. I think you're fit both cases, to be honest, uh, Stacy. But I'd just like you to make a comment as we close on this comment. And that is literacy is a right, not a privilege. I'd love your thoughts on that comment. Literacy is fundamental to play a part in society and to be part of democracy. And it's so fundamental for health and happiness and accessing information and participating in our communities. Literacy is the difference between being healthy and happy and being disengaged and left out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. And uh, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to sort of share your passion, your thoughts on uh, the fact that we have a great organization in Manitoba called the Manitoba Reading Association. It's obviously part of the International Association. And when we celebrate International Literacy Day on September 8th, we'll all be thinking about some of the great things that you've shared with us today on this podcast, Stacey. So thank you for finding some time. I know you're just getting your your office organized, getting ready to hear that uh, bell ring and have uh, the students come back into, into the classroom and the noise and the excitement that's going to be there. So thank you so much for taking some time to speak to me today. And I really appreciate you uh, being on this uh, podcast. And I wish you a great, great year uh, um, educating and getting people sort of lined up with uh, the love of reading. Thank you so much. What a great way to start the year. Okay, you take care. Thank you. Humans on Rights is recorded and hosted by Stuart Murray. Social media marketing by the creative team at Full Current in Winnipeg. Thanks also to Trixie Mae Bituin. Music by Doug Edmond. For more, go to humanrightshub.ca. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.